Hello, everyone, and welcome to Animal Kingdom Animated. It's Haley, and you guys are just in time for this week's podcast, which is going to be all about DuckTales. And no, not the new DuckTales uh, TV series that they came out with recently. The original movie, DuckTales and the Treasure of the Lost Map, that was released August 3rd of 1990. Just like always, we're going to share some fun facts about the movie, some things maybe you didn't know. I know I always learn a lot when I go through this section. And then we'll go through the animals that you can see in the film. And then I'll show you, share with you, wow, the three animals that I have selected out of this movie. Let's get to it. So DuckTales, The Treasure of the Lost Map, but I'm just going to call it DuckTales, the movie from here on out because that's a long name, was... Disney's 74th animated feature. It is their... Nope. It's a 74-minute animated feature. It's their 29th animated feature. I was about to say that sounds really, really weird. Like I said, it was released August 3rd of 1990. It was also the first animated film produced by Disney Toon Studios. Some of you that might be old enough to remember Disney Toon Studios... Um, might remember that. It's based on a popular TV series, DuckTales. So the first original DuckTales led up to this movie. Uh, I actually just recently went back and rewatched all of the original DuckTales as well as the new animated series of DuckTales. And I gotta say, the new animated series of DuckTales impressed me positively. Like, my sister watched it, Jaden. She's been on here a couple times. And she was like, oh, I love it. It's great, whatever. And I was like, ah, but like, how can you like redo like something that's literally already been made? And like, it was fine. Like, you're going to butcher it. It's going to be terrible. So I didn't watch it for a while thinking that, oh, like they're going to ruin it. But no, they didn't. They actually did a really good job with the new DuckTales. They brought different types of elements in, um, kept it engaging and interactive and surprising. And overall, I liked it. Uh, it did receive positive reviews, but was not an office box success. So, unlike some of our other ones that we've talked about in the past, and some of the recent ones that tend to be kind of like Disney hidden gems, where it's like, oh, everyone kind of forgot about it because it was kind of just mushed in with all of the other ones, uh, DuckTales was kind of actually lost within the times. Uh, I actually didn't know about it for a long time. I knew of the TV series DuckTales, but I didn't know they had a movie after the series was completed. After, or from the Disney Plus description, which you can um, watch on Disney Plus, join Uncle Scrooge and the colorful cast of characters from the popular DuckTales series in this action-packed, wing-slapping, feather-raising treasure hunt. With nephews Huey, Dewey, and Louie and niece Webigail Vanderquack at his side, everyone's favorite rich uncle treks from his mansion home in Duckburg in search of the long-lost loot of the legendary thief Kali Baba. Their thrilling adventure leads to comical chaos, magical mayhem, and a lesson about what is more, what is far more valuable than money, gold, and jewels. Some other voice actors that you might know or recognize as I was going through this list, I realized that there are actually a lot more that we probably recognize than we think we do. The big thing is that these particular voice actors have such a wide charisma of voice range um, where it might actually 
strew what we typically hear. So like Winnie the Pooh is, you know, like you can typically hear that Winnie the Pooh voice and you can think of him as a couple different characters. So I will let you know of the voice actors that actually played very different characters in this movie. The first one is Angus Young, who plays Scrooge McDuck, as well as Hiram, which is the dad, Flavish, or which plays Scrooge McDuck. And he also plays Hiram Flaversham, who is the dad in The Great Mouse Detective. And he's also Dr. Cooper in one of the Tailspin episodes. Terrence McGovern is Launchpad. Uh, he also voices one of the Beagle brothers, Babyface Beagle, and he is Poe Dispel, I think that's how you say that, in the Tuck Tales TV series. Russell Taylor voices Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby. Uh, they also actually voiced Minnie Mouse from 1986 to 2019, so they're a pretty recent character voice uh, that we know and love. We also hear her in Cinderella 2, Willow Tweed, and The Fox and the Hound 2, and many other Disney TV series. So Russell Taylor is actually quite a pretty common voice that we hear nowadays um, that we may not always recognize. Another one is Richard Libertini, who plays Dijon, uh, who's one of the, um, the like desert dwellers is the best way I can describe him. Uh, he's also apparently seen in a Sonny with a Chance episode, like the person itself, and in some of the DuckTales episodes. Christopher Allen Lloyd, who plays Murloc the Magician, also voiced characters in Anastasia, uh, the movie, who was Rasputin. He played Doc from Back to the Future. He was also in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Santa Buddies, and he was considered to be Jafar. He didn't make it. We all know the character that voiced Jafar, which will actually be, I don't know if it's in the next episode. Hold on. It might be in the next one. Yeah. Well, that ends in the next episode, so we'll get to that next. Another one is June Foray, who voiced Mrs. Featherby. She's also in Cinderella, Peter Pan. The Goofy Cartoons, Who Framed Roger, Roger, Roger Rabbit, Mulan 1 and 2, as well as a handful of TV shows. The next one is Duck Chuck. <laughs> Chuck McCann, who played Duckworth, flipping up the names. And uh, he's also heard in many other of the DuckTales episodes and many other of the TV series. Um, he's also seen or heard in the movie Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, and he's actually on the Journey into Imagination with Segment ride at the Walt Disney World Epcot Resort ride. Which is something that I didn't know. So I thought that was a fun little info tidbit. The next one is Rip Taylor, who is Gene the Genie. He also voices characters in The Emperor's New School, which is The Emperor's New Groove TV series called The Emperor's New School, and Bonkers, um, which is a TV series I don't know off the top of my hand. I think it's a little bit newer. 
Our next voice actor is Charlie Adler, who plays one of the Arabs. He also voices characters in many other TV series and movies, including, but not limited to, Aladdin, DuckTales, the TV series, Brandy and Mr. Whiskers. If any of you remember that TV series, that would always be on like at two o'clock in the morning. And then Lilo and Stitch would be on right after the Lilo and Stitch TV series. Yes, I would get up strategically and watch those two. Uh, and he was also a voice actor in The Rescuers Down Under, which I am still super excited to get to in season two and I'm itching to get to because some of these characters and some of the animals are just going to be so much fun to talk about. Our last two voice actors are Jack Angel, who is an additional character voice. Uh, so he voices a bunch of the additional extras. He also voices for major movies such as Hercules, Monsters, Inc., Toy Story 3, Lilo and Stitch, Aladdin, and actually some of the Studio Ghibli films. And our personal favorite, I feel like he's in just about every Disney movie uh, possible, but there's a reason for it, and it's Frank Welker, and he's back with more additional voices, and he's in a lot of other voices in movies and TV series and video games. <laughs> and park rides and <laughs> pretty much anything uh, and he's a lot of the like animal voices are like random noises and that is one of the reasons why we absolutely love and adore frank welker one cool thing about this movie is that the animators actually predominantly reigned from france denmark australia and italy uh, animator Larry Rupel was the sole American working on this film production, believe it or not. The American critics actually also claimed this movie to be an Indiana Jones ripoff. And it was considered to be a ground downgrade in quality and story compared to the other classics, some of which that we've talked about already. Um, which is probably part of the reason why it wasn't a box office success, because it wasn't as like attention grabbing as some of those other ones or it didn't really like connect as much it was a little bit more of that imagination type story luckily enough though many of these elements were transferred into aladdin in 1992 which was grossly successful which we'll actually be talking about next so if you're definitely interested in seeing how aladdin was so successful after this movie ducktales hanging around for next week's episode Now, after saying all of that, it has gained a follow base and it is considered by many to be one of the most underrated Disney movies. So just like many of those others that we've been discussing in the past, uh, it is being looped into those underrated Disney classics that are actually really, really good. I think I'm still like middle of the line about it just because I have so many good ones, so many middle of the line ones and so many bad ones that I'm like, oh, you know, like yeah whatever so it's kind of like middle line for me definitely underrated though uh interestingly enough even though in the tv series the original and the revamp uh donald duck is actually never mentioned or cameoed in this film how does that make you feel will sad, sad he says <laughs> I asked him if he wanted to be on this podcast, and then I was going through 
I was like, oh, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, oh, uh, Donald Duck is actually never mentioned in this film. And he's like, I'm not going to be on it because Donald Duck's not in it. Yeah, I provide my one fact about it. <laughs> so put my two cents in. And then I'm like, nope. Well, you can still put your two cents in. No. Okay. Maybe later. Donald Duck will be back, though. This is also, this is would be a better fact for Jaden to tell, but this is actually one of the last hand-painted cell animations before the completion of CAPS, which is the digital animation that they use from here on out and that you start to see in Aladdin and so forth. Some of my favorite fun facts, which I always save for last because those are always the best Disney trivia night things, are the animation uh-ohs, one of which is when Kali Baba's treasure is found in one shot, Scrooge has normal clothing, and then in the next shot, he has his Explorer outfit gowned. So that's a little um, animation uh-oh. And then the other one is when Murloc can be seen turning back into normal from his griffin form one cut. In one cut scene... What? In one cut scene, Scrooge is wearing his top hat, even though it should have been blown away. And the last fun fact, which might perk up Will's ears a little bit, is that this poster was actually illustrated by Drew Struzan, who also did the Indiana Jones and Star Wars posters. So the thematic positioning of this poster for DuckTales actually bears a lot of resemblance to the Indiana Jones and Star Wars posters. And if you want to see it, you guys can go onto my Instagram and look as I always post the uh, poster from the release. And after seeing that and looking at the picture, I, I can I can see how it kind of looks like a Star Wars. I don't think I've ever seen the Indiana Jones, so I can't attest to that, but definitely the Star Wars posters. So now on to the animated animals that you can see in the film. I actually had to go back like two or three times and watch this all. Um, obviously, there's the ducks. And so I'm going to be talking about Pekin ducks, uh, which are the closest resemblance of the ducks that are drawn for Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, Louie, Donald Duck, etc., and then there's the desert dogs or the Arabs. So I'm going to be talking about the Saluki, which you guys might remember from back in Oliver and Company, one of the dogs that was part of Fagin's crew was a Saluki. And I was so excited to talk about her, but I knew I was going to be saving it for this episode to keep it fun and interesting. So we'll finally be talking about that one. And then there's camels, hawk, an elephant, a wolf, a griffin, um, which is kind of like a mythical character, but I added it in, uh, a bear, a pig, an owl, a goldfish, pigeons, a vulture, a rat, a cockroach, a cougar, and then all of the tea party stuffed animals, which include, but probably still aren't limited to, a kangaroo, a snail, a snake, a tiger, a frog, a lion, a monkey, a goat, a bird, a panda, and a fish. And like I said, I had to go back like two or three times because I'd write something down and then I'd find like two more animals and I'd write it down and I'd find two more. So we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come right back and we are going to talk about, we're going to start with the Pekin duck and I'm going to be talking about one of our favorite characters, Scrooge McDuck.
All right, welcome back. So, like I mentioned, we are going to start talking with the first character, which is pretty much the main character, Scrooge McDuck. He's also called or known as Uncle Scrooge or Mr. McDuck. He's actually based on a Christmas Carol's Ebenezer Scrooge. If you've never seen DuckTales um, or really just know of the McDuck family family tree, essentially, and Donald Duck's family tree. Uh, he is the richest duck in the world, claiming to be, quote-unquote, smarter than the Smarties, tougher than the Toughies, and making it square, which is something fun that I found on the uh, Disney website that I take the information from. He became Banks' most famous creation, um, who was the artist that rendered him. He was also apparently given his own comic series in 1952 called Uncle Scrooge. And then Scrooge has the dollar sign for the S. Uh, he is he has his most extensive success in the DuckTales series. It's where we predominantly see him in in the original and the remake uh, and this movie. Apparently, a little bit of family history from him. He was born in Glasgow, Scotland. He is the eldest of four. He has one younger brother and two younger sisters who we actually meet in the DuckTales series um, and kind of get to learn a little bit about. Uh, his sister Hortense, which I believe is the youngest sister, is the one that provides Scrooge with nephew Donald. His tall fortune and love of money began with being a young shoe shiner, um, and his beloved dime came from that. Uh, if you don't know anything about his beloved dime, then I uh, do recommend uh, going and watching the original DuckTales. Um, you can even watch the, the reboot as well. Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised with how they did the reboot, even though I was like, they already did it. Like the story's over. How are they going to redo it? They did a very well job and it, um, talks a lot about like his past and everything and kind of brings every everything back. Sorry, brief break. Uh, Jaden actually called me. So I completely lost where we were talking about. And I'm pretty sure I was on a tangent as well, which didn't make it any easier. His tall fortune, shoe shiner, I think we talked about that. Um, oh, he resides in Duckburg, USA in the McDuck Manor and spends his free time swimming in his money bin vault. Um, actually, the only time his age is mentioned as well is in the 1955 comic when he celebrates his 75th birthday. Other than that, he is portrayed just as an elderly fit duck, and no one actually really knows how old he is. And I don't even think there are ages quite hinted at with the siblings either. So it's like, oh, like, if, it, okay, if Hortense is like 42, then that's going to make him like 60, whatever, because there's like, you know, 20 years in between the oldest and the youngest, something like that. There's no like age relations with this family in general. Um he is stated as being intelligent, honest, persistent, and thrifty. His first appearance was in uh, the comic called Christmas on Bear Mountain in 1947, and his first animated feature was in 1967 in uh, the feature called Scrooge McDuck and Money. How fitting. 
He's also seen and cameoed across multiple TV series, movies, and video games throughout the centuries. Actually, according to popular German Disney magazine, he was born between December 21st and January 19th. Um, and then the other fact says that that makes him a Capricorn. So if you bigger astrology nerds um, are like, oh, Capricorn power. Um, I don't know if that's a boost or <laughs> a, a, a negative, but to the uh, Capricorn party, so to speak. <laughs> According to one comic script, comic strip, uh, Scrooge apparently weighs 20 pounds and stands at three feet tall. So if you want to go and compare him to the other ducks, then you can do that math. Like with the one like Frozen comic where it said that like Olaf was like six feet tall or whatever, which made also like eight feet tall, whatever that was. That was hilarious. So if you want to go ahead and go do that to compare all of the heights of all the other ducks that he is compared to. He is also one of the five Disney characters to make the Forbes fictional 15 list, which is the most rich list. <laughs> uh, and I think he'd be pretty proud of that. Uh, although it doesn't say whether he is number one on that list or not, which would probably make him pretty irate. Uh, others on that list actually also include Glomgold, um, who is a... Um, antagonist, so to speak, in the series, Warbuck, I have no clue who that is, Cruella DeVille, and Tony Stark, even though he's in Marvel, <laughs> still makes it. He is also on Glasgow's list of famous, famous Glaswegians, and he actually is the first image to be displayed on the first Macintosh computer. So, for all you Mac fans out there, and for all you Donald Duck fans out there, he's the first image to be displayed on the first Macintosh computer, even though it's not Donald. Alright, so now on to the duck that is portrayed in the movies from the ducks, um, and the most lifelike animal is called the Pekin Duck. They are a large domestic duck. They have white feathers, orange legs, and uh, an orange bill. They range from 8 to 12 pounds and can live about 8 to 15 years. Now, they're typically found in wetland areas with slow-moving waters across the northern hemisphere. Man, I keep losing my place. Their natural reproductive period is between March to May, and they will actually also breed with other species of the Anna's species, uh, which are your dabbling ducks and your teals. Um, I might get into one or two of those species down the road. I just don't remember. Uh, their eggs at hatch after 28 days and an average clutch includes 8 to 12 eggs. Uh, so kind of going off of that, when in the revamp, when Hue Huey, Dewey, and Louie um, when we kind of see the scenes with mom and she's like, oh, my eggs are about to hatch. And then she's like, oh, it's been like so many days after they hatched or whatever. Um, keeping in mind that this duck species eggs hatch after 28 days. Now, Pekin ducks reach about 90% of their weight and size by seven weeks of age. Once the babies hatch, the mom actually leads them to the water and never return to the nest. Uh, 
the if you've ever seen ducks do this in the in the wild they will preen their feathers. It kind of looks like they're like picking out their feathers or like just like rubbing their beaks on their feathers. They're actually preening their feathers to keep the outer feathers waterproof. Um, just like if you've heard of the phrasing water off a duck's back or whatever, um, the preening locks the feathers. They've got a special matrix uh, that will actually kind of like hook in between with the, uh, the feather um fibers, I guess. Um, and the preening also includes spreading oil to uh, make that waterproof ability and to remove any parasites. Uh, the ducks in general also have air sacs inside their bodies to help them stay afloat. Uh, so if they have any issues with those air sacs, uh, any disabilities or diseases that might interfere with that, then that might um, cause them to not be able to stay afloat in water or not be able to go into super deep water because they wouldn't be able to uh, literally stay above water. Now, while most ducks are good flyers due to their specific anatomy, Pekin ducks are poor flyers due to their large bodies. And while their eggs can, can be used for food, their meat is actually more commonly eaten. Uh, they are also the most popular duck in America. Uh, Donald Duck and his family relatives are modeled after this duck breed. Ta-da! Reason why I chose it for this episode. Uh, so if you ever think of ducks on the farm and you're thinking of those big white ducks, those are your Pekin ducks. They were actually first brought to the U.S. from China in the 1800s. And all modern domestic ducks besides the Muscovy are actually descended from the wild mallard uh, that was domesticated in China or Southeast Asia over 2,000 years ago. Uh, their order answer forms are collectively known as waterfowl. And even though the mallard is colored, the Pekin was actually bred specifically for white colors, white feathers, and quote-unquote clean skin. Um, so kind of just think of like <laughs> the best way I can describe it is a chicken breast, um, you know, like that light pink, nice and clean. Uh, that's the best way that I can describe it for them when they say clean skin. Um, there's, there's no like modeling or anything like that. Uh, their natural diet includes vegetation, insects, grains, fruits, and seeds. And their captive diet commonly includes bird and duck pellet food. Uh, and it, there is uh, a lot of people feeding just ducks in general bread because they think that's good for them. Um, all, but it's actually really not because something similar with our something similar with our digestive system is that uh, the bread can actually cause issues in the digestive tract. Oh my freaking gosh. Issues in the digestive tract and cause impact, Im, impaction. Jeez, I can't talk right now. Um, and cause malnourishment. So if you eat a lot of carbs, then you might get a lot of bloating in your stomach, which is something that I've figured out. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. Uh, again, life cut me off. Um, 
essentially everyone started texting me because my fiance's at work and they're his mom and dad, my in-laws are there saying hi to him. And so they're sending pictures and letting me know. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. He's very cute. I'm doing my podcast right now. And I've lost my place again. Um, uh, clean skin. Uh, they are actually the most popular duck kept in captive care in the U.S. Like I said, when you think of that farm and you're thinking of those white ducks, those are your Pekin ducks. And, oh, that's what I was talking about with the digestive issues with the bread. Um, feeding birds bread instead of things like your grapes and your grains, uh, things like that that I just mentioned um, a, a second ago for you, but like f- five minutes ago for me, uh, is that it falsely makes them seem full and it malnourishes them. Like I said, with us, how if we eat a lot of gluten with certain people uh, like me, uh, then it can cause a lot of bloating and makes you seem full, even though you're not. Uh, it's just because you're full of gluten. Um, and then you you don't have room for more of the nourishment until it all digests. And for some people like me, it takes a while. So that is it for... Um, Scrooge McDuck and Pekin Ducks after all of those interruptions. So hopefully there's not as many in this next episode (laughs) or this next segment. Uh, We're going to be talking about Dijon and the Saluki, which I have been pining to get to forever. So I am super excited. So Dijon is the secondary antagonist and thief. Uh, He's also seen in the DuckTales TV series. Uh, the very ending actually has him, like, intros him uh, and those whole last couple episodes in the original DuckTales actually leads up to the movies really well. In this movie, he is a servant for Murloc and he is the comic relief villain for most of the film. In the reboot of the DuckTales series in 2017, he makes another appearance under the name Ferris Dijin, D-apostrophe, uh, uh, J-I-N-N, I think, um, to appear more authentically Arabic. His name actually comes from the type of landing. I don't know. And Dijin is the Arabic name for genie. So when you go and you watch the reboot, that will make a little bit more sense. Uh, He's actually quite popular among the DuckTales fans, uh, which actually may be the reason behind being added to the TV series. Uh, And that's it on Dijon. Um, So most of the stuff is on the Salukis, which is the breed of dog that I decided on. They are the royal dog of Egypt. They are gentle, dignified, and independent-minded. They average 23 to 28 inches. The females are a little bit smaller, so about uh, two feet. And they weigh about 40 to 65 pounds and live about 10 to 17 years. One cool thing about this breed is that they are among the world's oldest dog breeds. They are also swift and agile sprinters who love a good chase and are highly adaptable to uh, work and live in almost any climate. So you could probably have a Saluki wherever you live. 
uh, they you they used to be used by Arabs to bring down gazelles, um, which is what made them um, very well at the work climate. Very agile sprinters makes sense. Uh, they also held such great esteem in Egypt that they were actually mummified like the pharaohs. Um, so kind of like the the cats that guard the cage, uh, they would mummify these the dogs. Uh, and put them in the tombs for the afterlife. They were first brought to England in 1840. They were also perhaps the first known domesticated breed and were identified by some historians as, quote, a distinct breed type as long ago as 329 BC when Alexander the Great invaded India. Uh, They were also recognized by the AKC in 1927. There's also a whole bunch of color ranges that they could come in from solids like black, chocolate, cream, red, and white to combinations, uh, which can include but are not limited to things like sable, a grizzle markings, party color, Irish marked, or combinations of those patterns. Um, So they have a pretty wide range of colors and patterns. They are currently ranked 120 out of 200 on the AKC's popularity list, which I think they should be a little bit higher up because of um, what good scores or, I guess, ratings they get uh, overall. Because they're generally healthy dogs. Um, Heart diseases or illnesses are the only health concern owners need to worry about and screen for. Thyroid evaluations may also be beneficial just for best quality of care um, because those can kind of go hand in hand or kind of correlate with one another. They are easily groomable. Uh, They have relatively short coats. Regular exercise and walks are recommended for this um, genetically active species. So do make sure that you have time to walk them every night or take them out to a park and let them play with the other dogs or just let them run around the yards, you know, stuff like that. Uh, They are also good for obedience training and um, just like all dogs, it's best to start at an early age or uh, as soon as you adopt the species. But being so highly adaptable to any work climate, uh, gentle, dignified, independent minded, you know, and generally healthy dogs like all of those are good things like i i feel like they should be higher up on the akc popularity list instead of some of these other ones like i don't know like the french bulldog or something like they're just on the popularity list because they're cute (laughs) so you know whatever but it is what it is so that is it for the saluki And now on to our last animal, which is going to be the camels. Now, there's no actual character, um, but they are seen riding on camels various times throughout the films. Um, So the camels are a pretty staple animal in the movie. And there's a lot of information on the camels. So let's uh, sit tight for this ride. So camels are a ruminant mammal in the Camelae family. They consist of two species within that family. There's the Arabian or dromedary and the bacterian um, or domestic and wild. The Arabian or dromedary have one hump and the bacterian or domestic slash wild have two humps. 
they are known for being able to survive long periods without drinking water. Uh, as we see in the movie as well, they're used for pack animals, but they're also used for things like wool, meat, and milk. The dromedary camels domesticated were domesticated around 3000 to 2000 BCE in Arabia. And the bacterian camels were domesticated around 4000 BCE in Central Asia. So there's a, a little bit of a geographical difference. Um, the bacterian camels are also a little bit taller and I guess bigger. Uh, they can get anywhere from 10 to about 11 and a half feet tall and weigh anywhere between 990 and 1,000 in a hundred pounds on average, not to say there's not skinnier fat ones. Cause you know, um, uh, domestic care life, uh, and the dromedaries are a little bit shorter. Uh, they can start at about seven feet and go up to about 11 feet and they can range anywhere from 880 to 1300, 1320 pounds for the both of them. Their average lifespan is about 17 to 18 years. So there's not really a much lifespan difference between the two. But they can uh, also both easily carry about 200 pounds and travel up to 20 miles across the desert. Uh, they also have the average pace or speed as horses. And one cool thing about camels is that their fecal matter can actually be used as a source of fuel. Now, dromedary camels are actually now extinct in the wild, and they only exist in captivity, and uh, that makes up of about 90% of the dromedary population, unfortunately. So they are um, functionally extinct, essentially. Uh, now, while when I was talking about the one hump versus the two hump, a lot of you guys actually thought, because then right after that, I was like, oh, like... They can survive long periods without water. You guys were like, oh, that's because they store their humps in the water. That's actually not true. The humps are actually fat reserves, which is what the camels use to store the energy. Now, the size of the hump can also change depending on the amount of food the individual eats and the amount of fat that is stored. So it's not a water reserve. It's a fat reserve or a food reserve, essentially. They can go only about a week without water and actually several months without food. So the hump is kind of like their second belly, so to speak. Um, it can survive up to a 40% weight loss and drink up to 32 gallons of water in one drinking session, which is how much I feel like I can drink sometimes when I'm like super thirsty. <laughs> but that's a lot. Uh, they are actually native to the Gobi Desert and China. And the bacterian camel are also native to the steeps of Mongolia. And they can actually range quite a wide temperature span, which I had no clue that they had this wide of a span. They can survive temps from anywhere to 20 below freezing, so negative 20 Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in um, Celsius. You guys can do the math for me. <laughs> <'Cause it's>, uh, <laughs> uh, to up to 120 Fahrenheit. So that's like a 100 degree range. That's ridiculous. No, it's over a 100 degree range. Now, the dromedary 
are um, typically found in the desert areas around North Africa and the Middle East. And there is a population currently that actually lives in Australia, and they were imported in the 19th century as pack animals and used to cross the vast desert regions in Australia. One of the things you guys may or actually may not know about camels um, is that they have something called a nictitating membrane on their eyes, which uh, scientists also call the third eyelid, uh, to help with this desert sand. If you guys ever also see like sharks on underwater, uh, some sharks or um, alligators are another big one. They also have nictitating membranes um, for protection. They also actually have two rows of extra long eyelashes as another form of eye protection from sand. So I knew they had really long eyelashes to protect themselves from the sand. I don't think I knew they had the, um, the third eyelid. And I definitely didn't know that they had two rows of eyelashes, which is cool. Now, being ruminants, uh, which is the type of digestive tract that they have, uh, that means that they regurgitate their their food like cows. And when they do, smelly gases come up, which can make some, for some pretty foul breath. Um, they are highly social, though, and they do live in herds. And a group of camels, uh, you might know this, but a group of camels is actually called a caravan. They can actually also make many sounds from bellows to bleats to hums. Um, so I, I think I knew that they could bellow, but I didn't know they could bleat kind of like a sheep uh, or hum. Now their gestation period is about 12 to 14 months. And the moms typically to give birth to one young uh Giving birth to two young is rare. They are mature at the age of three for the females and anywhere from five to seven for the males. And they actually, even though, you know, they're kind of like native to the, uh, the, the old world Asia, you know, area, uh, they actually originated in North America. Uh, some other interesting things is that their gait or how they walk uh, actually moves both legs from one side of their bodies at the same side. So they move both of their right and then both of their left. They don't go right, left, right, left like a horse. They go right, left, kind of like humans. Their predators also include wolves, tigers, and humans. Um we say that humans are predators because camels provide us with milk, wool, and a form of transportation. So we essentially hunt them for their, um, for their goods. And unfortunately, they do also face extinction due to things like hunting, overcompetition, and loss of habitat, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we're dealing with a lot, which is part of the reason why I made this podcast to be like, look at these wonderful Disney animals. Oh, they're all like mm, uh, hitting the wall, essentially, you know. Um, one of the things that you guys might have initially thought of when I first said that we were going to talk about camels is if they spit. Yes, they do. Uh, and it's not really actually quite spitting. It's kind of like they're spitting slash throwing up. Um, so 
this is actually meant to distract or bother whatever the camel feels is threatening it. So you've, if you've ever, you know, like gone to a fair or a circus or something like that and seen the camels and they've spat at you, then you're actually like distracting it or it it's feeling threatened by you. And so it's spitting at you to try and, you know, distract you or, um, you know, bother you so I can get away, essentially. Uh, one tip that I can lend you is that their cheeks will fill up and bulge right before spitting. So they'll get those big cheeks and then spit. So if you watch really carefully, you might be able to dodge it. <laughs> Make them hit the, the, the person behind you, actually. And uh, going back to the camel sounds, if you ever want to know what a camel sounds like, uh, I'm actually going to tell you to go turn on Star Wars because one of the characters in Star Wars is actually uh, voiced by a camel's rumbling growl. And that, of course, is none other than Chewbacca. So that is where I am going to leave you guys with DuckTales with that super awesome uh, last fun fact. Next week, we will be talking about Aladdin and uh, a, a whole lot of things, a lot of things that we talked about this week with it, uh, a lot of new things if you guys are big in the Disney media, but we'll talk about that next week. And of course, as always, we're going to end my podcast with the quote from last week's podcast. Okay, actually two weeks ago podcast, The Little Mermaid, which was a little bit overdue. Um, but this was from one of our favorites, Sebastian. And this quote to wrap up our podcast for the week is, somebody's got to nail that girl's fins to the floor. And I'm sorry, it's not my best Sebastian accent, but it's what I got. Alrighty, guys, thanks for joining us this week for this episode on DuckTales. And we will see you next week with Aladdin.